0: This is Puritan's Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 60 of The Life of David Brainerd by Jonathan Edwards. Lord's Day, June 7. My attention was greatly engaged, and my soul so drawn forth this day by what I heard of the exceeding preciousness of the saving grace of God's spirit, that it almost overcame my body in my weak state. I saw that true grace is exceedingly precious indeed, that it is very rare and that there is but a very small degree of it, even where the reality of it is to be found. At least I saw this to be my case. In the preceding week, I enjoyed some comfortable seasons of meditation. One morning, the cause of God appeared exceedingly precious to me. The Redeemer's kingdom is all that is valuable in the earth, and I could not but long for the promotion of it in the world. I saw also that this cause is God's, that He has an infinitely greater regard and concern for it than I could possibly have. That if I have any true love to this blessed interest, it is only a drop derived from that ocean. Hence, I was ready to lift up my head with joy and conclude, well, if God's cause be so dear and precious to him, he will promote it. Thus I did, as it were, rest on God that he would surely promote that which was so agreeable to his own will, though the time when must still be left to his sovereign pleasure. He was advised by physicians still to continue writing as what would tend above any other means to prolong his life. He was at a loss for some time, which way to bend his course, but finally determined to ride from hence to Boston, we having concluded that one of our families should go with him and be helpful to him in his weak and low state. June 9. I set out on a journey from Northampton to Boston, traveled slowly, and got some acquaintance with a number of ministers on the road. Having now continued to ride for a considerable time, I felt much better than I had formerly done and found that in proportion to the prospect I had of being restored to a state of usefulness, I desired the continuance of life. But now, death appeared inconceivably more desirable to me than a useless life, Yet, blessed be God, I found my heart at times fully resigned and reconciled to this greatest of afflictions if God saw fit thus to deal with me. June 12 I arrived in Boston this day, somewhat fatigued with my journey, observed that there is no rest but in God. Fatigues of body and anxieties of mind attend us both in town and country. No place is exempt. Lord's Day, June 14. I enjoyed some enlargement and sweetness in family prayer, as well as in secret exercises. God appeared excellent, his ways full of pleasure and peace, and all I wanted was a spirit of holy fervency to live to him. June 17 This and the two preceding days I spent mainly in visiting the ministers of the town and was treated with great respect by them. June 18 I was taken exceedingly ill and brought to the gates of death by the breaking of small ulcers in my lungs, as my physician supposed. In this extremely weak state, I continued for several weeks and was frequently reduced solo as to be utterly speechless and not so much as to whisper a word. Even after I had so far revived as to walk about the house and to step out of doors I was exercised every day with a faint turn, which continued usually four or five hours, at which times, though I was not so utterly speechless, but that I could say yes or no, yet I could not converse at all, nor speak one sentence without making stops for breath. And a number of times my friends gathered round my bed to see me breathe my last which they expected every moment as I myself also did. How I was the first day or two of my illness with regard to the exercise of reason, I scarcely know. I believe I was somewhat shattered with the violence of the fever at times, but the third day of my illness and constantly afterward for four or five weeks together, I enjoyed as much serenity of mind and clearness of thought as perhaps ever in my life. I think that my mind never penetrated with so much ease and freedom into divine things as at this time, and I never felt so capable of demonstrating the truth of many important doctrines of the gospel as now, as I saw clearly the truth of those great doctrines, which are justly styled, the doctrines of grace. So I saw, with no less clearness, that the essence of religion consisted in the soul's community to God and acting above all selfish views for his glory, longing to be for him, to live to him and please and honor him in all things. And this from a clear view of his infinite excellency and worthiness in himself to be loved, adored, worshipped, and served by all intelligent creatures. Thus I saw that when a soul loves God with a supreme love, he therein acts like the blessed God himself, who most justly loves himself in that manner. So when God's interest and his are become one, and he longs that God should be glorified and rejoices to think that he is unchangeably possessed of the highest glory and blessedness, herein also he acts in conformity to God. In like manner, when the soul is fully resigned to and rests satisfy and content with the divine will. Here it is also conformed to God. I saw farther that as this divine temper by which the soul exalts God and treads self in the dust is wrought in the soul by God's discovering his own glorious perfections in the face of Jesus Christ to it by the special influences of the Holy Spirit, so he cannot but have regard to it as his own work, and as it is his own image in his soul, he cannot but take delight in it. Then I saw again that if God should slight and reject his own moral image, he must needs deny himself, which he cannot do, and thus I saw the stability and infallibility of this religion, and that those who are truly possessed of it have the most complete and satisfying evidence of their being interested in all the benefits of Christ's redemption, having their hearts conformed to him, and that these and these only are qualified for the employments and entertainments of God's kingdom of glory, as none but these have any relish for the business of heaven, which is to ascribe glory to God and not to themselves, and that God, though I would speak it with great reverence of his name and perfection, cannot, without denying himself, finally cast such away. The next thing I had then to do was to inquire whether this was my religion. And here, God was pleased to help me to the most easy remembrance and critical review of what had passed in course of a religious nature through several of the latter years of my life. Although I could discover much corruption attending my best duties, many selfish views and carnal ends, much spiritual pride and self-exaltation, and innumerable other evils which compassed me about. Yet, God was pleased as I was reviewing quickly to put this question out of doubt by showing me that I had, from time to time, acted above the utmost influence of mere self-love that I had longed to please and glorify him as my highest happiness, etc. This review was, through grace, attended with a present feeling of the same divine temper of mind. I felt now pleased to think of the glory of God and longed for heaven as a state wherein I might glorify him perfectly, rather than a place of happiness for myself, this feeling of the love of God in my heart, which I trust the Spirit of God excited in me afresh, was sufficient to give me a full satisfaction and make me long, as I had many times before done, to be with Christ. As God was pleased to afford me clearness of thought, and composure of mind almost continually for several weeks under my great weakness. So he enabled me in some measure to improve my time, as I hope, to valuable purposes. I was enabled to write a number of important letters to friends in remote places. And sometimes I wrote when I was speechless, i.e unable to maintain conversation with anybody, though perhaps I was able to speak a word or two so as to be heard. At this season also, while I was confined at Boston, I read with care and attention some papers of old Mr. Shepherd, lately come to light, and designed for the press, and as I was desired and greatly urged, made some corrections where the sense was left dark for want of a word or two. Beside this, I had many visitants with whom, when I was able to speak, I always conversed of the things of religion and was peculiarly assisted in distinguishing between the true and false religion of the times. There is scarcely any subject which has been matter of controversy of late, but I was, at one time or another, compelled to discuss and show my opinion, respecting it, and that frequently before numbers of people. Especially, I discoursed repeatedly on the nature and necessity of that humiliation, self-emptiness, or full conviction of a person's being utterly undone in himself which is necessary in order to a saving faith, and the extreme difficulty of being brought to this and the great danger there is of persons taking up with some self-righteous appearances of it. The danger of this I especially dwelt upon, being persuaded that multitudes perish in this hidden way, and because so little is said from most pulpits to discover any danger here, so that persons being never effectually brought to die in themselves are never truly united to Christ, and so perish. I also discoursed much on what I take to be the essence of true religion, endeavoring plainly to describe that godlike temper and disposition of soul and that holy conversation and behavior which may justly claim the honor of having God for its original and patron. I have reason to hope God blessed my way of discoursing and distinguishing to some, both ministers and people, so that my time was not wholly lost. This concludes episode 60 of Jonathan Edwards. The Life of David Brainerd.